Today's episode of Vice Versa, Tesla leads battery cell cost, GM reveals their next-gen battery, VW and Toyota tease some big announcements, Jeff Bezos is gonna spend $10 billion to fight climate change, and much more. And as usual, I'm joined by Ricky Roy. How you doing, Ricky? Doing good, Matt. How about yourself? You know, we, uh, we're on number 17 of these. I'm back to work. This is the first episode uh, of the show since I've been back to work, so that's a little bit different. But doing well. How about you? How was your video this week? Uh, the video's been pre- do pretty well. It's about geothermal heating and cooling for your home. Uh, it's something I really want to do for myself. It's just a question of, does it make sense here, or should I wait till my next home to do it? But it's such a cool technology. In your thumbnail, I think I saw that it was running along in your driveway. Are you trying to like never have to shovel your driveway? Is that the <laughs> yeah to heat my heat my driveway so it just melts off the snow? Yeah, <laughs> sign me up for that. I'll, I'll take that if, if that's available. Yeah, this video this week I'm going to be doing a video with Tesla solar roof and kind of seeing if it's just another toy for the rich or is there actually a chance that that can come down market and and make itself available to more buyers and stuff. But that one probably will go out on Saturday. Awesome. So let's jump right into it and talk about our first story. So, you know, there's so many things that I see a lot of people creating models and projections for Tesla stock price, things like the robo taxi network and stuff. But I maintain what I what I'm so bullish about Tesla is their cell supply and their cost for doing their cells. Here's a picture of their 4680 cell coming off their line. And, you know, we talked about last week, they're going to be manufacturing these themselves and also offloading it to other companies to make. But according to this report, Tesla pays on average $142 per kilowatt hour. And, you know, the the nearest competition, maybe you can say AM, who pays about $169. And the average for the industry is about $186. So that means you're paying like 30, 35% more per kilowatt hour than and this is where I think the lead that Tesla has is going to, to increase. So here they mention how that translates to the cell uh, to pack cost. And again, Tesla's way out ahead. The cool thing, and we've been talking about this for a while, is GM is kind of right behind them here at about $207 per kilowatt hour in, a, in the pack total cost versus Tesla at 187 But I think this is the part that is the runaway success part of of Tesla that people aren't fully appreciating because what ends up happening is we talk about all the stuff that is doing so so well compared to other people but really that margin they're making 20 to 20 something percent per car that they sell and that is really good for the automotive industry and I think what's going to happen is the electric motor and batteries when they the costs come down will prove that EVs are actually cheaper and more profitable to make when you figure out the supply. So GM with the Ultium, and we'll talk about that in a little bit in a future story, but GM is investing in similar stuff with LG. And so you can see where the companies that have taken the battery supply to the right level are are thriving right now. And when you're trying to make a million cars a year, that little difference is going to be massive. It's not such a big deal if you're making a luxury car like the Model S, you know, Lucid Air. If you're going to sell like 50,000 units, not the end of the world. But if you're trying to make a million ID3s or you're trying to make, you know, a large scale production, Tesla's lead here, I think, is one of the industry leading parts that we can't talk enough about. Yeah, I agree. I mean, everything you said, I agree with. I'd add to that, this article, the, the, the numbers they came up with are little dubious at best it feels like they got the apples to apples between the companies correct like the spacing 
but the actual numbers seem off considering um, it was 2018 Elon had mentioned that he expected them to get below $100 per kilowatt hour within a year, and that was 2018. But yet they're putting them at 142, which seems a little too high. And I was listening to the Tesla Daily podcast, which if you guys don't listen to it, I bet you do. But if you don't, you really should check it out. He made a really good point in uh, an episode where he talked about this exact thing. He pointed out that in um, Tesla Battery Day, they talked about how they were going to be reducing costs by 56%. And in a different interview, Elon talked about tr their total target is going to be getting to around 50 to $55. So if you kind of do the math backwards, you end up with about 125 bucks per kilowatt hour right now. So it's like, it looks like the numbers they came up with are off. And it makes you wonder how far they're off for pretty much everybody. But the bottom line still is Tesla's got a commanding lead on this. And they're innovating in ways to try to get that, that overall cost down to get to a super affordable EV and has still have a good profit margin for a business. So it's, it's, it's really kind of interesting to see how this is playing out, and especially with GM. It's interesting to see GM is kind of in the second place right now with trying to, with their better technology. As far as inaccuracies or, or where the prices yeah. are currently, if we kind of normalize it and figure at least we can kind of get a general trend through yeah. the data, that yeah. might be easier. Because some of this data might just be really hard to get. If you factor in like the R&D that Tesla is spending, does that go into battery pricing? Is it just from, do you pay for the leasing for the mid-buildings? How many cells are you scrapping? There's, it's actually a pretty hard number to nail down. Also, uh, to, to, to the point about what Elon mentioned, that is the full cell to pack uh, savings. Because if you're yep. going to go structural pack and some of the other innovations that they have there, it's not just that the cells are cheap, but it's when you stick them all the way into a pack, that savings is going to be really massive. So the, the bottom line, like, like you mentioned, potentially their, their numbers might be even better than, than what this report is saying. But you're going to compete with Tesla now, who's already making half a million EVs compared to everybody else, and you're playing catch-up. If you're building the Mach-E and you're paying this much per kilowatt hour, how are you going to be competitive with the, with the Model Y? And that kind of goes down the market. So this is the unsung hero that Tesla, this is the advantage that Tesla and their stock price have that I think cannot be overstated enough. Yeah, I agree. So next up, what would you do if you're the richest man in the world? How about spending $10 billion over the course of 10 years to combat climate change? Because that's exactly what Jeff Bezos has said he's going to do over the next de decade with his Earth Fund that he set up. Um, he set it up, I think it was last year. Uh, this announcement is, is it's so important because it's money like this that's going to spur development in the private sector, in the uh, public sector. It's going to be helping fund researchers and scientists doing research into new technologies and ways to combat climate change. It's it's things like this that are so important to pretty much everything. And it struck me funny because it's like it's, he's kind of pulling off of Bill Gates right now, how the Gates Foundation, Bill Gates has been pouring billions of dollars of his own money <laughs> into the Gates Foundation to help, you know, with vaccines around the world and to obliterate all these diseases. And he's investing in things like nuclear power it's interesting to see the other richest man in the world, Jeff Bezos, doing basically doing the same exact thing, where he's going to be investing tons and tons of money into this. Um, some some of the details out of this are uh, he they recently hired Andrew Steer to be the CEO of Earth Fund. Um, the first round that they put in all this year so far has been into um, nonprofits, 
And Bezos has also said in separate interviews that, that the 10 billion is just to start. So it would not be surprising if he continues to dump more money into this over the next decade and beyond. So what, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think the, the, the parallels to, to Bill Gates are, are, are right there. We mentioned previously he's stepping down from the CEO role, which I think yeah. surprised me. We, we should have probably seen it coming. He's pretty much accomplished all you can accomplish. He's fundamentally changed the world in terms of how you buy products and everything else. And Amazon is just a complete behemoth. But the next step for him is to do some uh, philanthropy. So the, the reason why I was interested in this story is the details are a little bit scarce, right? We don't really know exactly what he's what he's um, planning. I'm sure he's going to do some really great stuff. And anybody out there who has a, a nonprofit, you know, make sure to write these guys and like pitch and make sure you get funding or whatever for whatever cool things you're doing. But I brought this up because I think he's trying to compete with with Elon as like the world's most important man, if you will. And the difference really is with Elon, his business itself is doing good. Like what Tesla is doing for the world is is really almost unbelievable. Nobody would have believed that they could do this maybe 20 years ago. Whereas with Bezos, it was kind of like, let's build and make billions and then go try to find ways we can save the world. So for me, I love when the business itself is the world saving. I, I was just reading an article and we're going to be doing a future video about this cool startup that's building like an electric solar powered boat that will automatically uh, filter out trash coming down from rivers before it ever reaches the ocean. Huh. This company is going to make money because they're going to sell these and they're going to go put them into rivers. What they found was, surprisingly, a lot of the trash that ends up in the ocean comes down just a few rivers. I mean, it's not a few, but the point is if we could capture it before it ever got to the ocean, it gets way cheaper to do it that way than by the time it's in the ocean and that cost becomes much higher. So I just love the idea of like business where the business itself is the doing good. Um, I work at Salesforce. Mark Benioff has a very similar philosophy where he believes like business should be in the business of doing good, not just making money. So um, I think in that way, I don't know that Amazon has done all that much. I mean, I'm sure they have, they've done donations and charity contributions and stuff. But now game on, Jeff Bezos. What will you do next? And yeah. um, I'm sure it'll be pretty, pretty great stuff. I, I'm sure he'll, he'll figure out the right causes, but. I did want to put something into perspective. There was a number I found. To put it in context, in 2019, of all the foundations that were giving money into like climate change, it was $1.6 billion combined in 2019. Really? So, and now here he comes in just dropping another billion on top of that. So like this a is- Billion a year, yeah. 10 years. He's, he's, yeah, it's, that's incredible. Well, that, that context really changes it too. It's hard to really know what a billion is. But when you put it in that way, that's fantastic. Yep. Good for him. All right. The next story that we're going to talk about is one near and dear to my heart because I've been riding motorcycles for about 15 years. I, I don't ride now uh, after we had kids, but studies show that about 50% of riders are looking to switch to electric motorcycles. This particular uh, survey was done in the UK. But the reason why, and this is one of these, uh, I'm not sure which one this is, but there's quite a few, uh, zero, uh, Robert is in the in the chat, and he, he converted a uh, old gas motorcycle to electric at fully charged last year. But this is a interesting part of the market because motorcycles in the U.S. don't have to be smogged. And so what ends up happening is in the interest of performance, you actually have motorcycles polluting a lot more than the average car. 
So my, I used to have a Honda CBR600RR. It was a, a sport bike. And a little 600cc motorcycle would actually pollute more than like a Honda Civic or a Honda Accord even. And the reason is, well, first of all, they're allowed to. And you don't have to smog them. So they go after like the pure performance, every last horsepower they can get. Yeah, Robert mentions that he loves his Zero. But that is, I mean, it's not a really a big market in the U.S. There's not that many motorcycles. But globally, there's there's countries where more people have scooters and mopeds and motorcycles and they do cars. So if we had a purely electric alternative, I think in terms of like the carbon emissions of the world, it would go a long way. Now, there are some other concerns, for example, safety, right? Noise and loudness is, a, is never a bad thing if you're on a motorcycle and you're sharing the road with cars that can't see you. And um, I'm curious how Robert feels about having a really quiet little electric motorcycle. But, you know, it's not a perfect thing. But I'm kind of kind of excited to see that that many people are are looking to to change and long way up long way up probably yes. had a had a big thing to do with that yeah that sh- that show single-handedly like sold me on rivian <laughs> i'm not a motorcycle rider but it's like it sold me on those 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 motorcycles it's it's incredible what that show kind of showed off one of the things from that article that kind of stuck out to me was uh that the of all the people that they, they surveyed the majority of them were not in it for the environmental benefits. They were in it for the torque and the performance and the ease of maintenance. They were in it for all the other benefits of an EV. And from the feedback I've gotten on my channel and from talking to people out there, it, I've gotten the similar sense that most people love their Tesla for the performance and the ease of maintenance. It's not that they're necessarily drawn to it for the environmental benefits. They're drawn to it because it's just an amazing product, really fun to drive and own. And it doesn't shock me that for a motorcycle, it's going to be the same thing that the majority of them just want to get a really good performing bike. And if you can make it electric and it's better than the gas counterpart, it's like, it's going to just drag everybody over. They're just, they're going to want that better product. Yeah, exactly. Somebody mentioned like lawnmowers and other two stroke, even kind of appliances. Yeah. These are the kinds of, we think about big cars, but there's a whole slew of other products, you know, uh, uh, snowblowers and I have a, I have an electric lawnmower those benefits are huge. I don't have to worry about, I remember when I had a gas mower and my parents had this problem every year, they forgot to empty the gas out of the carburetor. It's flooded. It's not starting. And the spark plugs are bad. Every year they have to like go get a tune up and take it to somebody before they can operate it again. My electric, I just put the battery and I hit start and it just starts right up. The yeah. benefits really are, are there. And that's what we have going for us in this fight with electric vehicles and electrification is it's a better product. We have that going for us, which is, which is cool. Directly related to that, the next story is GM revealing their next-gen lithium metal battery cell prototype. This is like hot off the presses like today. This is kind of big news. They've partnered with a company called Solid Energy Systems that's actually here in the Massachusetts area. It's in Woburn, Massachusetts. And they've, de- they've developed a new kind of battery, which is a thin lith- uh, lithium metal anode replacing the uh, graphite anode of a battery. And it has the potential, the potential to double the energy density and cost and save 60% of the cost, which is just <laughs> astonishing. Basically, almost like doubling the range for almost half the cost is basically what this battery technology can do. And it's gone through 150,000 miles in the um, simulation, which means that it was, they were testing the battery cells 
in a way that would emulate what it's like inside of a car. So with temperatures and charging and discharging cycles, they tried to emulate exactly what it was like inside of a car and simulated 150,000 miles worth of driving. And it performed incredibly well. So when is this going to come out? That's the big question. GM is targeting to have this in a prototype line by 2023. And so when you compare this to something like solid state, when it, solid state batteries are still years away, even though we're going to start seeing prototypes coming out, you're not going to see mass production of solid state batteries for five plus years. This is much closer because it's not solid state. It's just switching out the anode for this lithium metal. And lithium metal can absorb a lot more ions than graphite, which is why it gets doubles the density. It's going to be really interesting to see if they can pull this off by that timeline. Um, because I was looking in, actually looking into this company and they, on their website site, I think it was by 2022, this car battery is going to be available. So it's, this announcement is a year after that. So it's like, I'm kind of wondering like, why is there this disconnect between on their website? They're saying 2022 and GM's not doing till 2023. Um, going to be curious to see how this plays out. But this got me really excited because this is giving you a lot of the benefits of solid state without having to wait for solid state. Yeah. And if you remember during the Ultium announcement, they kind of mentioned there was a guy, I think he held up. He's like, and here's a, a solid state battery. Kind of kind of showing that like they're clearly looking to the future. And I don't really actually know if Ultium is in production today or if they'll wait until such a time that they have maybe this lithium metal anode or a solid state battery or something else before they start manufacturing. But this is really, this is really a big deal. You know, it's cool in the, in the uh, quantum scape presentation, they mentioned that the very first charge cycle, the anode is actually, it's like, there's no real anode and that the, the lithium that gets deposited in the first charge is when the, the anode actually forms. The, the, the impact on energy density is, is huge. I wonder if, I'm actually kind of curious, yeah, if, if they still have a gel, a liquid electrolyte, I'm kind of curious, like, what keeps other companies from from tackling it this way? Like, why is lithium metal not talked about more? I have some yeah. kind of questions like that. Oh, there's there's a ton of questions. Like, when I was looking into this, it's like, the other thing that I find interesting is they're in Woburn, Massachusetts, and I don't know what's up with Woburn here in Massachusetts, but there's three major kind of, like, research companies into batteries. There's a solid-state company. Actually, what was it? It was... Uh, Ionic Materials makes solid-state batteries. Uh, then there's Leo Nano, which is building out the next-gen cathode materials. And then there's this company building out this lithium metal. It's like, what's in the water in Woburn? I don't know. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure that out. But it's, it's from everything on their website, they were kind of throwing shade on solid-state. So it's like, it, it's not clear if they're using a gel electrolyte or something solid because they were basically saying solid state is still years away. There's still many t problems to tackle and ours brings things to the market much faster and gets you a lot of the same benefits. So it's, they're kind of, obviously there's some secret sauce here. That they're not revealing quite yet. And I'm really, really interested in the details. I wanted to dig deeper on them and find some of their papers to see if I could get some more details on exactly what's going on. Yeah. It sounds like we're both going to have to cover that in, in future videos, but um, talk about game changing, talk about the kind of thing that if, if GM had this in their battery supply chain, uh, that would be that would be a big deal. So we'll we'll definitely circle back around and talk more about this. But this is kind of I mean, I'm not surprised. The Massachusetts area probably has some of the smartest in the world, if not the smartest people in the world. So 
that's how kind of Centers of Excellence kind of kind of start. So it sounds like you're going to be close to the the, the heart of the all, all the all, all the action going forward. Yeah, in Woburn. Okay. <laughs> Woburn. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like I got to come visit. So next up, we have a couple of stories about <clears throat> legacy makers unveiling and kind of teasing some stuff out. The first, Toyota teases a picture of their all-electric car. Now, this particular car that they're showing here, uh, article says, might only come to Europe. So we might not see this here in North America. But to my mind, kind of looking at it, kind of looks like the Toyota, I think the CHR, that little really tiny little compact crossover type of a car. But, you know, they're they're trying to keep the attention on the fact that they're they will have stuff into the future. You know, they were supposed to have the solid-state battery announcement at the Tokyo uh, Olympics last year. Haven't heard much about that since that time, but I think it suffices to say that they're not going to have any sort of a production battery uh, in time. But yeah, this is a look at what they're what they're teasing. I think at this point, for a company like Toyota, it has to be more than teaser. Like at this point, we we need to see something like solid. We need to figure out. Where's your supply going to come from? What's your strategy? What kind of platform are you building it on? And I think for Toyota, this is still kind of a weird half measure. That yes. They have to eventually like jump in and say, we're doing this. We have cool cars coming up and, you know, and, and finally just do it. Yeah. For it, it, in this announcement, it wasn't this teaser. It wasn't even clear that this is electric. We're kind of guessing it's electric because the fascia of the car doesn't have any kind of grill. <laughs> So that's kind of where it's leading everybody to think, oh, this must be fully electric and not some kind of hybrid. But it's it's one of those, I hope this announcement next week isn't a sad trombone being played. I hope it's genuinely something really exciting coming from Toyota because we need to see something really kind of game-changing for them to show that they're taking this seriously. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The cool thing is the, the next story, which is about VW, is a little bit more more optimistic or more positive because they're taking a page out of Tesla's pay playbook and kind of doing what Apple did. Like there was a time before, before Apple that you didn't have events to unveil products. You just made stuff. And then Apple kind of, and Steve Jobs made every new version of the iPhone and the iPad, like a, a, a treat. It was an event. And then Google comes along and has Google IO day. And it's the same thing. There's like excitement about new operating system changes and new APIs. Well, the same thing kind of goes with electric vehicles and VW now is going to have a battery day. So the first thing I'll say is if you're going to have a battery day, you better have some really cool stuff to talk about. It can't be <laughs> we're buying cells from LG. All right. See you guys next week <laughs> or see you <laughs> next year. They have to do some really great stuff. And I think they will. They've made some really interesting partnerships. They're working with companies. I remember there's one in was it Norway that is working on some solid state batteries and stuff. But generally, they're going to be at the heart of this because I think we've talked about it before. VW probably has the most to lose if they don't go electric. And I think for that reason, they're targeting cars. If you look at their cars, they're not like the avatar concept kind of stuff. They're building ID3, which is a really practical little hatchback for the European market. And the ID4 here for North America, again, it looks very conventional. It looks like a car that they're going to build a lot of. They've had struggles. They've had battery supply issues and stuff, but, um, they're passionate about the future. And I think, yeah, you have to have a really good battery strategy if you want to win at this. And so I'm, I'm at least excited to know that they're thinking about things like this and yeah. holding no. that event. 
even though it is a little like looks like they're copying Tesla, it's like this is what we need all these car companies to do. It's basically show us their cards, like show us what your plan is, show us what your roadmap is for the next three, five, ten years. Show us what crazy technologies you've been working on that you've been doing in secret that shows shows us what you're planning on doing and where your products are going to be going. I have high hopes. I hope I'm not crushed, <laughs> but I have high hopes for this event next week from VW. I'm tentatively optimistic for Toyota, but it, next week, these two events happen two days apart. So it's like it's the 15th and the 17th, I think. So next week's going to be kind of a, a, a big week for kind of automotive news for electric vehicles. It's going to be an in interesting week. Yeah, I was just, uh, there were some questions that we'll get to in a minute about batteries. But yeah, it should be a really fun week. And to be honest, I think they're going to announce things like, we're building a, a million square foot battery factory. That's going to be the announcement. And it's yeah. going to be maybe a new cell. I actually don't know, do, what does VW do? They, I think they use like a, a prismatic cell currently yeah. or a pouch. Yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be some kind of factory, something like that. It's going to be, it, it, Tesla kind of, dropped the mic on their battery day and it was kind of like this is how you do it and so i think the other car companies are going to try to emulate that so i don't think they would hold an event that would just come out and go like you said we're partnering with lg yay it's like i, I think they would know that that's not going to go over well i think they know they have to deliver so the fact they're holding an event to me says they ha they think they have something worth an event and so hopefully they deliver they kind of have to at this point they've yeah. had delays due to battery constraint and you know, we've talked about the, the really aggressive deadlines, you know, for the UK banning new car sales. Those dates are coming up. We're in 2021. Next thing you know, and we're already a quarter of the way through 2021, which is crazy to me. But here we are. So the next thing you know, VW is going to be backing up against the wall if they don't do this. So I think they have, you know, we talked about it before. Deese, their CEO, really, I think, gets it. I think he's got the right support structure in place. And I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, the announcement is like just a factory at the scale of which even like maybe bigger than the gigafactories that they've built so far. Yeah, so thanks so much for everybody for, for watching and for listening if you're listening to the podcast. And if you think we've earned it, hit the subscribe button. And to all of you that have been hitting the like button, thank you very much. Watch us every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, or listen on the go by subscribing to the podcast at viceversa.show. And uh, thanks again. We'll see you in the next one.